and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Rainy Moran, I'm very, very excited to have you have you as my guest on She's the Boss Chats and to be able to hear about your story. Welcome. Thank you, Jules. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. My absolute pleasure. So let's start off by telling everyone what it is that you do. Can you tell us what you do in business? Oh, my goodness. Where to start? (laughs) (laughs) So over the past decade, I have been climbing the corporate ladder of a family business. Uh, The business is in commercial, residential and retail properties and TV station as well. Wow. Okay. Indonesia and a bit in Singapore, Jules. So while I recall the journey being filled with steep learning curves, it has been really nothing sort of an invaluable learning experience. So with this business experience, I decided that, look, it is really the time now to venture out with some businesses that I could call my own. Right. So since then, uh, I dedicated myself to entrepreneurship. Yeah. So my current is fully integrated lifestyle entertainment centers for the entire family across Asia. And Incredible. then I often ask myself, what's next, Rani? What is going to be <laughs> my legacy in community? So after completing my counseling degree and coaching study, Rani Moran Mental Health and Resilience Project begins. Which just sounds wonderful. Now, let me go back a little bit because you only touched on the fact that you're doing these entertainment centres, but they sound to be quite huge. Can you tell us a little bit about what they actually, what's involved in them? What do they actually do? Yeah, absolutely. So I launched this family entertainment centre, the flagship, is actually in 2010. Right. Um, I called the brand in Singapore, Amazonia. So I developed everything, Jules, my own concept, theming, entire business plan and model. And we have expanded then since then the concept into Asia. Uh, So now it has grown across Asia with my franchiser uh, in Malaysia, Mumbai, Philippines, Indonesia, and to some restaurants concept as well. What an incredible achievement for such a young, gorgeous-looking woman. I can't believe you've done so much. Now tell me, (laughs) and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing all of it, but also tell me a bit about this Mental Health Resilience Project. What's that? Okay, so... I had my own struggle. I grew up in a family which was good, nothing bad in there, but my parents came from a generation and culture where love and intimacy were not openly displayed. Yeah. I think to tell you a bit of the background, my father was orphaned when he was seven after having lost his father who was brutally murdered in the revolution. Oh my goodness, right. Yes, in Indonesia. And my mother, a strong, driven and determined woman, had also lost her father at very young age and was given no time and chance to grieve. So I grew up in a cold home, basically, because of that. Right. And the distance between family members, therefore, you know, I really grew up um, finding that I didn't really know how to show love and accept love and be happy with whom I am. 
Plus, with having children and managing career, oh my God, I know exactly how it feels <laughs> to be stretched too thin, right? Yes, Just to be yeah, in very. constant searching of a work-life balance and to always appear as though you've got everything under control when it's absolute <laughs> chaos underneath <laughs> under the surface. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Uh, and then on top of that, you have to deal with the social conditioning and stereotyping. Like we want to be liked. Uh, we mm-hmm. want to confirm, so we conform, and we have to compartmentalize that negative feelings for the sake of having acceptance in the community. I'm sure everyone yeah. feels like yeah. this, right? Yeah. So that's why I started the project. I want to build a safe space for all of us to share, be nourished with each other's experience, and overcome life challenge. That's why. <laughs> Right. Well, you certainly sound like you've achieved it. So, with that background um, and obviously your idea of bringing families together, what was was there a I call it a light bulb moment, but was there some final thing that happened and you just went, right, that's it. Now I'm going to go and start my own business. What actually tipped you over to make you decide to do it? Yeah. So two, actually, with starting my business is really this deep urge to give myself room to grow while doing what I love doing. Mm -hmm. Because look, pursuing new goals is what keeps life interesting, isn't it? (laughs) Absolutely. And I love the fact that you're an entrepreneur. I think, you know, if you, if you love business and you love building businesses, then, you know, it really satisfies everything entrepreneurship. So. Oh my God. And, and I believe, I grew up believing that there is always big opportunities out there, but you mm -hmm. have to be willing to start somewhere. And, and, and that's the key. And with my mental health project, it is actually the uprising number of suicide in the world, Jews. And, and also I came across this really good quote in one of the book that I read. Um, It basically says that what we do for ourselves dies with us, but what we do for others remains and is immortal. That's a very profound one. I love that. That's brilliant. Because I think, you know, I I guess I'm very interested in women in business particularly, and we all want to leave a legacy. That is something that is, you know, I think I've probably interviewed 150 women now, and almost all of them, that is what we want to do. It's it's quite interesting with women in business that we do want to be able to help others, and we do want to create a better world, I think, for, for our children and our children's children. Absolutely. That's our nature urge. Yeah, nature. Now, uh, so there was no particular moment. I'm just wondering what happened in 2010 that made you decide to go and start Amazonia. Was there anything in particular? Did you come into some money? Did you leave a job? Did something happen in your family? What made you actually decide to start Amazonia? Oh, my God. I hope my family is not listening to this podcast. (laughs) I'm sure they won't be. Don't worry. (laughs) Basically, I really just want to be my boss and got so sick and tired being told what to do. (laughs) Yeah, okay. And that was it. Yeah, well, look, I experienced business through the eyes of my parents as a young child. So I always right. have this entrepreneur soul anyway inside me. I learn a lot from, from them just to believe yeah. in myself, not to be complacent, and just keep on stretching your own um, uh, ability and comfort zone, right? So that's yeah. definitely what pushes me. But it's not only Amazonia, though, Jules. 
2000, I set up garment manufacturing company in oh, Jakarta. Right. Yes. Ah, with, so that was the first one. Mm-hmm, that was the first one with 800 staffs. Can Good. you believe that? No, I can't. So, so what made you start that one then? What was the the impetus for starting the clothing? Range. I love fashion. I really, okay. really do love fashion. I really appreciate the intricacy and the uh, art and then craftsmanship uh, uh, that goes into it. And so with Alaska Model, we produce successfully for global brand like Mark and Spencer, Juicy Penny, oh, right. Victoria's Secret. So that was fun. And yeah. then 2005, I launched my own high-end fashion brand, Paul Morano in right. Singapore. And Jakarta. <laughs> ah, now do you are you living in Australia or do you live overseas? Oh, I live in Sydney. We moved here close to five years ago, actually, Jules. Okay, so oh. yes, so you're now in the lockdown as well. Just I'll give everyone a bit of a a time situation of where we are right now. Okay, yeah. so um, let's go back, Rainy. I want to hear about your whole entrepreneurial journey. And already in the last five minutes, you've got me like, oh, there's another one there and another one there. So let's go back to when you finished school. What did what did you enjoy school? And do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I have older sister and she's also yeah. working for the family. And okay. I have younger brother also working for the family. And uh, my sister is six years older. My brother is 10 years younger than me. Um, so what happened after school? Oh, well, hang on. Did I enjoy school? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you? <laughs> Not really. I think. <laughs> well, I hear that from honest. so many people. Yeah, I do oh, want honest. Oh my God. I think honestly, um, especially in Indonesia, although I went to private school, the education system uh, w- was not really encouraging for us to think outside the box. No. So it is really about, okay, you have to pass the exam. You have to pass with certain mark. That's it, right? Yeah. So that that was boring. And yeah, to okay. some extent, I still can find it in the education system nowadays. And it needs to change, really, because a uh, lot of, yeah, a yeah. lot of things that we learn may not even exist in terms of the business profession a couple of years from now, especially with COVID, right? I absolutely agree. And I, I feel like around the world, we all need to really look to those Northern European countries where they've started um, teaching the children holistically about like find a topic and then do all the other subjects about that topic, which makes much more sense. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. I do think everything needs overhauling. So, so you finished school though. I imagine, yeah. I can't imagine your parents wouldn't have let, would have let you not finish. Oh um, gosh. Yes. So was it uni? Did you go to university after that? I did. I did go to uni. Uh, I spent this mixed international program from University of Indonesia. So I spent okay. two years in Jakarta, University of Indonesia, and then continued the next two years in University of Melbourne, uh, Bachelor oh, right. of Economics. So, yes. So what brought you, what's the link to Australia? What brought you to Melbourne? Oh, I wanted to go to America, to be honest, but my parents just <laughs> did not allow me. That was too far away. Basically. Okay. Hmm. So, so what was it like as a young Indonesian woman coming to Melbourne? What was that like for you? Tough. Not easy. I bet. I oh, bet. gosh. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was easy for us to 
just be in your comfort zone together with the other fellow Indonesian students. Yeah. But it was, I realized that it was not that great because you um, are become, you were becoming complacent within your own comfort zones, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was the challenge. And then, of course, you, uh, you miss home. It's completely different mindset, completely different sort of like culture mm. uh, in Sydney. So that was actually quite, quite challenging. And I didn't have anyone. I didn't have any family members living in Melbourne. So quite then. lonely. Mm, quite lonely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what happened when you, what did you study and what happened when you finished? Bachelor of Economics. Uh, okay. Every holiday would travel back and forth uh, working um, for the family, of course. And then mm-hmm. finish and I pursue uh, with Deakin University, Mass, uh, of, uh, Master of Mass Communication. And then, wow. yes, and then finished from there. I went back to Singapore and Jakarta working back and forth, met my husband, and then that's it. We lived in Singapore for 15 years before moving to Sydney. Okay, so did you, when you finished uni, did you go and work in the family business straight away? Was that yes. just expected of you? Yes, that was expected of me. Um, I appreciate so much that I was uh, welcome not straight away by, okay, having the privilege on being in the office. Um, I had to really start from the ground, um, right. from the tough job. That really have taught me a lot um, about life skills and, and experience that I didn't get from school. Yeah, and and also the empathy, I guess, starting at the bottom of a company and working your way up, you do get to see what everybody's doing and what's fair and what's not fair and those sorts of things. Did it give you that experience? There's a great show. There's a great show in the UK called. I can't read something like millionaire something or other, but it's when successful business people go into their own organizations as an employee. Have you seen that show? I have seen that. Oh my God. I like that. So, yeah, so it's great, much. isn't it? So it's, it's sort of a bit like that. I like the idea of you starting at the bottom. So where did you meet your husband? I was introduced by a very good friend of mine. Uh, she yeah. lives in Sydney, actually. Right. Um, I was at that point, interestingly, in the middle between completing my master degree in yeah. Melbourne, and then we were introduced when we were in Singapore. So that's right. What so so you got married, and you decided you just you. I mean, I would have thought, and and correct me if I'm wrong, that in Indonesia, a wife's role is very much at home looking after the children. And so, how did it go? How, how did how did you manage to break out of that mold? Jules, now that's why I am not married with Indonesian man. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> She's, he's Australian. So yeah, Colin is okay, Australian. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that was actually one of the reasons why um, being stuck with that sort of like culture um, did not sound right to me. Right. Um, interestingly, though, this is actually quite interesting. My father comes from Javanese culture. This is some part of Indonesia yeah. where male is the king. Women have to be very submissive and serve the husband. But my mother comes from an area, only one area in uh, Indonesia where 
women is actually the head of the family. Wow, where is that? I need to go to that place. Sumatra. In Sumatra. Oh, Sumatra. Yes. So it's more of a matriarchal society there, is it? Absolutely. So it is embarrassing wow. for a family to not have daughter. And when a couple get married, it is actually the woman that comes to the man's house carrying gifts and proposing. Oh my goodness, I love I that. I know. I, I didn't know anything about that. So what interesting parents you have. Okay, so now um, I know we touched a bit earlier on the businesses, but take me through your entrepreneurial journey now. So um, the first one was the fashion range, was that right? That's correct. 2000, uh, the garment manufacturing company, Alaska right. Modo, and then 2005, Palmorano, and then 2010, Amazonia. Okay. And then, and so what made you go from fashion to adventure parks? Well, it didn't work. The fashion? The fashion, I had to close down and I'll tell you a bit uh, later about this one. So I had to close down the garment manufacturing company at the time where the global crisis around 2007, 2008. Ah, yes, 2008. That's when I started my handle your own PR business. It's a great time for change and innovation in in a recession. (laughs) Absolutely. So we couldn't compete with the cheap price, the labor cost from China. Mm -hmm. It was tough, tough, tough decision. Can you imagine? Imagine letting go that many staffs that you have known for quite a while. So that didn't work. And then 2005 uh, with Palmorano, I had to just basically stop doing that. Mom's guilt when I had my uh, first child. Right. Yeah, couldn't balance it. It's very hard, isn't it? Because you – until you have children, you think, oh, I'm going to be able to do this, I'm going to be able to do that. But you forget about the love part of it, the how much you want to be with your children and that, and that you know, you can hand it off to a nanny, but in the end, the child wants you as well. So it oh, is a absolutely. very hard juggle. Okay, yes. so um, so you closed down the fashion business, but what made you then decide to, to do Amazonia? As well, in – yeah. Just, just in terms of you, you'd stop the fashion because you wanted to spend more time with your kids. So why then go into an adventure park? Um, naturally, because I have young child going and trying to find safe, right. fun place with great quality of food was a bit of struggle in Singapore yep. at that time. And I was so passionate on creating this healthy family bonding time, right? Being a working mom. Brilliant. And I said to myself, oh my God, there is actually a gap in this market. Why is it the places that I go to, they really don't have that quality and, uh, um, you know, uh, fail to actually be a place for parents and child to bond and play together, quite boring. So that's why I decided, okay, that's it. This is a great business idea that I can combine between bistro dining and fantastic entertainment center. We brought a couple of, yeah, uh, play equipment from America and then from Australia as well, Impact Wall. Food was fantastic. The biggest, like we had 10 meter high slide. So, yeah, so that was actually the idea. And of course, having this sort of business, 
I can spend the time being with my son, managing yep. my staff and the business without feeling guilty. So that was <laughs> the okay. Reason. So that so that was obviously a huge success, and I can imagine. I mean, <clears throat> I've been to Bali to the water bomb park and seen how amazing that is. So I'm assuming it's it's you know, or like the theme parks that they have up in Queensland. So then you decide to expand to Singapore. Was that the next move, or, or what happened next? Yes, so Singapore and then because the successful that we had in Singapore, I had a lot of inquiries coming from Philippines, Malaysia and India as well and some people in Jakarta that they want to uh, buy franchise license. Right, um, and you went, that's a good idea, I'll do that. Oh God, absolutely, (laughs) that was the best decision because low risk for me, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so what has then prompted the – I know that you the mental health thing, I know what it is that you're trying to do, but why then go from adventure parks to mental – it's just really interesting to hear the way your mind goes um, <laughs> <laughs> to do these twists and turns. So, so tell me, what, what was the move after – you've, after you've got it established as franchises – did you get? Did you sit at home and go, "Wow, I could take all this time off and be with my kids and just go"? God, I'm bored straight away. Or, or what? What happened? A bit of that. Oh my God, I'm bored. What? What's next? <laughs> and also, what I said before, I'm thinking, okay, I've, I'm actually doing quite a lot now on generating great um, uh, career for myself, but. Can I do something that is actually quite fulfilling for the community? And I have always been fascinated anyway with psychology and neuroscience and and empowering people. So I said, well, while I'm in Australia, why not? I take the study. And like what I said before, I look at the number of the suicide case in Asia and having teenage children, two boys, teenage boys. I'm like, oh, my God, I need to do something. I need to have something that I could call it still a business, uh, but I can help people in their personal and professional development in corporate, but also um, the parenting skills, especially during this COVID time. Right. So the idea, so this is you doing it as opposed to setting up a big group. Is that right? Or is that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. So, oh, I love it, Rainey. Mm. Oh, you are a very interesting woman. I have to say, I can't wait. I wish I could come back to you in 10 years now and find out what you do because it'll be amazing. I can tell already. Thank you. Okay. Now we are going to go into some other questions, partly because this is about women. I really want to shine the spotlight on women. And I therefore feel that most women don't really get a shout out, that people don't really talk about them. So my question to you is, have there been some women that have helped you in your career journey? And if so, would you like to talk, tell us about how they helped you and what their name is so that we can give them a shout out? I know oh, a lot. I have to say a oh, lot. Oh, good. I love to hear that. <laughs> mm, um, strong, smart, independent and brave women who have been my guardian angel and source of my inspirations, actually, Jules. Right. Good. First, I would like to just convey my appreciation to my mother, of course, Yes. my grandmother and my aunt, who is my godmother. Why? Because they have taught me very important lesson in life. And I wish to share this with your audience, actually. 
the first that I learned is that resilience is actually capacity to learn. And this is the only way that we can survive in this challenging world. Right. And so, but to achieve this, they taught me that I have to appreciate the past because this is our best teacher, right? Um, when you have no fear, you have become complacent. And another thing that they taught me along uh, my, my life journey is that something in life, one door closed is to open another door, yes. right? Yes. And so the suffering that we experience is just to prepare us for something bigger. So nothing in life is for us to be feared. This is just only to be understood. Yes, and, gosh, I feel like I live that motto myself. So I love right? you sharing that. Brilliant. Yeah, and my mom taught me, Rani, life is always a choice the minute you wake up. A lot of things in life we can't control. We can't control how other people think and feel, but you have absolute strong control and power in yourself. Yes. So you choose what you want to think, what you want to feel. Do you want to feel happy or do you want to feel miserable? So <laughs> that's what, what she taught me. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's actually interesting, right? Yeah, um, and, and it that, is true. It, the, yeah. it, it's so much around your mindset and what your intentions are um, as to you know how you're going to view the world absolutely and we can't just sit around expecting expecting life to be fair no um, <laughs> it's not <laughs> it doesn't happen <laughs> so um another woman is actually my close girlfriend so i would probably say they are my cheerleader and really my companion yeah um they really say to me that look we always have this discussion um that what is a strong woman Yes, a strong woman needs to speak up to defend our ground to succeed in this competitive world. But yeah, we have to be really determined and confident. But at the same time, woman is also to be kind and compassionate. Yes. And and that's what we need to always remember. And many of us probably have forgotten this. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think along the way as well, I would say even the women that makes me feel upset and then disappointed and annoyed, um, this sort of like people trigger me. But I realized, Jules, that at the same time, they are actually also my teachers. They taught me a lot as well. <laughs> well, apart from anything else, they teach you what not to be. I know. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to be like that. Yes, I, I understand completely. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, you are going to be a great one to ask this question to because you've had so many different businesses and obviously with great success and with some that have been maybe more of a challenge. Can you talk to me about some pivotal moments in your journey? The reason is that I feel like a lot of young women start out and think, I want to get to there and it's just a straight line. And, and anyone who's an entrepreneur knows it never works out like that. There's always challenges along the way that maybe send you in different directions. So my question to you are, is, have there been some pivotal moments in building your businesses, um, especially challenges, and what you have learned from that? Are there some tips and some stories you can tell us? Yeah, absolutely. So this is what I always remind the young women that, to be honest, if I um, if I can share, it is actually not the success that shaped me. It is my no. failures and my mistakes in business and also my pain and suffering. I mean, I told you about the failure of 
the fact that I had to close down the garment yeah, manufacturing, yeah. Palmorano. And last year, Jules, we actually launched this um, new concept of big family entertainment in, in uh, Singapore prior to uh, COVID. And we had to close down because... Be- because of COVID or, or the, the concept of COVID. didn't... Yeah, 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 because of COVID. COVID's um, thrown a spanner in a lot of the, a lot of people's plans. Oh, my God, really? But it, it, we will all look back, as as you're saying. And, and I mean, I, she's the boss has come out of COVID for me. Yeah. So, you know, things do – good positive does come as well as negative, so – yeah, absolutely. And this is like the test for you to know mm. either you make it or you break it, right? Yeah. How you deal with that difficult moment. So I have had to find courage to challenge and confront different hurdles that have caused me to have so many negative thoughts, beliefs that really could have dragged me down lower. Right. Um, but I choose to learn from those failures and and mistakes. What do I learn? Number one, in a business, it's good to learn to detach feeling and emotion from the problem. So, oh, you, that's very good advice. And very easy for men to do, I think. Much easier for men than women. Correct, yeah. So you are able to see the problem differently with new thoughts on the matter. Yeah. So issues and ideas are not overlooked. And uh, a second thing that I learned is that you need to stay in the agenda of the goal of your own personal goal or business and think critically if something goes wrong. And so that you know what action that you need to take, what Mm -hmm. went wrong. The problem that we experience so many times, and this is to me too, is that when we have that gap between expectation and the reality in your life and business, oh boy, the worry, the fear, yes. it's just so not productive, right? So that that's what I learned to just manage my expectation. And so what do you do if you have that big gap and you and and and, and you're like, so what do I do now? What 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 does Rainy do when you're faced with a challenge like that? Because I know, for instance, I was building my PR SaaS platform. Mm-hmm. I had a situation where the guy, you know, the guy just walked away in the middle of the build with an unfinished platform. And I know now, because it's happened to me a few times in my life, that my initial thing is I freeze. I don't actually know what to do. It takes me about a week to even get my head around the fact that I'm going to have to start making some changes. Uh, what does Rainy do when something like that happens yeah so i would go back thinking about okay why did i start this business what was the purpose what was the meaning for me right Mm -hmm. and remind yourself on the initial sort of like thought when you set up this business so you know okay is this realistic the progress that i expect from the business now and look at the problems and then challenge that you have with curiosity to understand so i would just break it down instead of trying to control and fix i would just reflect okay what went wrong that actually pushed me to start questioning uh, the business or start having this um, unreasonable sort of like expectation, right? So just focus on the current progress, focus on the current resource, and then you can usually find the answer quite, quite naturally. And another thing that I find out is that what makes you question or set up that um, uh, unrealistic expectation of business is your own limiting belief inside your mind. And usually it is because of what happened in the past, like 
you know, whatever so challenge, true. right, yep. that you experience. Yep. Are you doing this business to prove something to yourself or to your parents or to your spouse or to your friends or to the community? Or is it because you are staying in the agenda? You do this business because you know there is a potential. So just be mindful on that um, little voice mm. in your head. Um, very true. Yeah, very true. And, and don't make a decision because you feel, oh, I want to sound right. I want to actually be seen right. Just let go of that ego and then focus and stop trying to impress and be people pleaser, basically. Just just focus on, on that. That's what I learned. And if you have tried your best and you still can't hold it together, like what happened with a couple of my business failures, Mm-hmm. Then it's okay. You just give yourself a permission to think that, look, I've done everything the best that I can with what I know. Yep. And this is probably a lesson and it will open up a next uh, opportunity in, in my life. Yeah. And I think I think it's important to say that as well because I do think that a lot of people think it's the end of the world if something goes oh, wrong. Absolutely. And they don't realise that often it will spark an idea. You might move in a different direction. You might just sit and think about it and go, okay, if I change it this, slight, this tiny little way, it will actually work. So, you know, the, the challenges that are sent to test us really do – we learn a lot and we're empowered by them, I think. Oh, my God, absolutely. It is that little negative things and the little voice in, in your mind, right? The negative thoughts. Yes, you're a failure, you're a failure. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God, what if, what if, what yeah. if. And then you set yourself unconsciously for failure instead of focusing on the issues and solution. And you start then focusing on what you lack, right? Instead yes. of what you have so that's the that challenge is, that is actually you've hit the nail on the head there completely mm. all right now um you've got you've got teenage boys you said now how old are they by the way i've got three. Oh my god <laughs> three boys three boys two 15 year olds and a 20 year old oh my god I what have you my got i've got two <laughs> two boys uh nicholas is 14 and then christopher uh he's 12 Oh, you've got all the fun stuff still to come. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. It's Tell so me funny, about isn't it? it? Because when your children are young and it is rel- – I mean, it's fabulous. I love having young boys, but it does feel relentless. Like you, there's so much looking after them that you say, I can't wait till they grow up and it's going to be so much easier and a whole other set of challenges come. I know, and it's not – You know, because you – th- you're right. You're right about to be in the part. I I, la- I used to joke and say that my boys would go to bed and wake up the next morning and come out and they'd be another inch taller. They go through this sort of growth. Sp- uh, anyhow, it's all great and you've yeah. got lots of fun ahead of you. <laughs> I know. I mean, um, they change like that overnight. I, you know, with emotional development, I'm like, oh, what happened to my yes. sweet little child? Did alien kidnap him? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's all coming. It's all coming. So, my mm. question to you is, yeah. particularly as you're going to be working in with mental health um, clinics as well, how do you juggle work and life? Now, 
of all the women that I have interviewed, there is a huge percentage of women that have pushed themselves until they've burnt out to an extent, some of them where their careers have had to change completely because they were so sick. So I always ask the question, where are you carving out time for yourself or yourself and your family? How do you, what, how does your work week work? Yeah. <laughs> I said that very badly, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So first let's, let's talk about being mum, right? Yeah. Um, often us, and I feel this too, and I'm sure a lot of moms would agree with this, we often think that it is selfish to put ourselves in front, right? Mm-hmm. We are thought to look after everyone else before taking rest for ourselves. Yes. But what we must realize that not engaging in self-care is really not a badge of honor. It's actually selfish I know. because yep. you are doing damage to people around you, right? And then second, also, how productive can you be if uh, we are not at peace? Exactly. And not yeah. relaxed and, yeah. and, and happy or burn out, basically. So it's the, it's really that idea of, you know, on planes where they say, give yourself the oxygen first and then put it on your children. It's the same thing. How can you look after them if you're not going to be well enough yourself? Absolutely. Exactly. But there is a misconception of self-care, though. Uh, mm-hmm. People think that, oh, let, let me have a bubble bath or shopping, glass of wine or chatting with my friends. It's actually not. This is a pleasure. It's it's temporary, right? It doesn't create right. us happiness. It's not sustainable. What I recognize mm. about the real self-care, and this is actually my secret weapon, Jules, is that continuously have self-reflection, self-development, and most important thing is being honest, open, communicating, what am I struggling with? And what yep. do I need here? Not judging with yourself negative talk. That's the key, basically, that I find. Yeah, very good point. But to go back to my question, how is mm. your week structured? Do you have evenings and weekends with the children and the family? Do you? Does it all kind of merge because there is so much business going on that people call you on weekends and you'll have to do meetings then? How do, how do you structure it? See, this is the beauty of having our own business. You can manage the flexibility (laughs) of your working hours. Um, So the structure of um, my day is that I do my work um, until the children finish from their school. So close to four Mm o'clock. That can be challenging because I am managing business in Indonesia and Singapore as well with the um, time difference. difference, Yeah, right. I set a time, which is uh, two times a week for Indonesia, two times a week for Singapore, and the rest is actually for other things in Australia. But when they come home, I really connect with them. I am present with them, talking and chatting and and until they go to sleep and then that's the time when i go back on doing a little bit of email catch up paperwork catch up for one hour and mm-hmm. then that's it watch my netflix listening to music <laughs> <laughs> and all of those things what about weekends do you find that work creeps in on the weekend sometimes or oh, are you pretty God. good about Keeping it sacrosanct. It was not easy at the beginning. And to be honest, it's impossible to not have any work creeping in. But I'm becoming more and more better to have the discipline on um, not having any work, uh, shutting off actually my my handphone on most 
uh, most times in Saturday and then Sunday after about five o'clock. Uh, that's the time oh, when the children, okay. yeah, can play yeah. with their video games. That's the time when I go back to do my work, basically. Well, that's no, that sounds very balanced. Okay, yeah. here comes a great question that I love asking because I never know what the answer will be. What well, is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know that you'd be up for sharing? Oh my God, absolutely. So please don't judge. And this is non-judgment <laughs> no space, judgment right? No judgment at all. Go for it. <laughs> so have you read the book, The Outer Ego by Todd Herman? No. Okay. So basically, Outer Ego is pretty much like superheroes, right? Yeah. Daytime, they have these secret identities. <laughs> um, I call it self one, like day-to-day useful persona, right? Right. And then you have another part of yourself, I call it self two, um, that is actually the heroic self persona that helps you achieve crucial goal or big, uh, big okay. ask. So I have that. So I have the normal Rani and then that super heroic superwoman <laughs> running <laughs> and I can choose um, which self of which persona do I want to bring to perform in different situations uh, oh. for example I love singing Jules so sometimes I do perform I was reading that I thought that might be your quirky fact I was reading that about you that you love singing I love singing. So before I moved, I used to perform in Singapore and then uh, Jakarta as well at friends' wedding and then a toddler ball. That's sort of like things for fun, honestly. Amazing. And and that was the time that I had to push myself to perform myself too. It's like, yeah, that's it. Bring yourself well, to the game. Well, you are an amazing woman because <laughs> that would be terrifying. I can only imagine the first time when you were going to go out. Oh but once God. you start singing, then you're just into the song and it's fine. But Oh, my God. And after walking finish, out I'm on like, the stage. Yeah, that was like my heart was pounding for the first time. So, so, so hard. <laughs> I bet. Oh, my God. And the dancers, my dancers hold my hand. It's okay. It's okay. You will do great. I have dancers. Can you believe that? Yeah, I, I love mean. that. That's very J-Lo of you. <laughs> oh my god and then once finish you're like okay great what's next i want more <laughs> i want more i want more <laughs> i yeah. know yeah oh rani i have now one last question mm. and and it you may or may not um be into your phone as a business tool mm. but because i love my iphone and i love all the apps i ask people is there an app or two that you use in business that you want to share with us not, oh, gosh. So not sort of banking and email and social media. I'm going to take it as a given that you do that. But are there any sort of clever business apps that you use? Yeah. Well, our children call uh, the both of me and my husband Boomer, honestly. Yes. <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> oh, my God. But I've learned um, that one of the tools that business should implement quite a lot is actually uh, LinkedIn. Oh, um, yes. It's very, very, very important just to expand your network. Um, yes. Yeah, and that's important. I and love LinkedIn now. I never, if you'd asked me three years ago, I was like, LinkedIn, it was all just sales, sales, sales. And now I absolutely love it. Isn't that amazing? It's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, and I would say as well, now that everything is about uh, digital design, I like Canva or yes. Crello. Have you had Crello? Um, so 
So Canva is, is actually quite static design, but Crello is dynamic. So there is like a movement oh. sort of like design. Yeah. No, I'll have to go and look it up. Crello, thank you. And then yeah. do you play any games on your phone? Or I you? don't. Oh, my no. God, I don't play I games. I feel like I'm only one of two women, actually, that does. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I like that ring adventure, by the way, the Nintendo Wii. Uh, Nintendo. Oh, okay. Yes, that was great. So that's my favorite game to play with my children and my husband at the moment. Fantastic. Mm, Rainy, yeah. I have absolutely loved talking to you and hearing your story. Honestly, it's just been an absolute delight. And now I really want to get myself over to Jakarta to have look at Amazonia. Please. It sounds fantastic. Please. But if if people wanted to get hold of you, either to speak with you or to maybe, I mean, what do you do, public speaking and things as well? Yeah, so I do corporate speaking. I uh, recently have spoken to Gojek and then Lazada and American really? Express for Asia as well. So more on cor- yeah, corporate uh, speaking in the realm of pandemic resilience and coping with the fatigue. So, ah, yeah. yes, good, good topics. So mm. what is the best way for someone to get hold of you via LinkedIn? Sure, or- LinkedIn or uh, my website, www.ranimoran.com or my Instagram. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I can't wait to share this. Thank you so much for having me, Jules. This was fun. Thank you. Good. (laughs) Thanks. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'sthebos.com.au. 